here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. Yeah. I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all names. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. It's a whole different person. Yeah. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be court seat. side and I'll be <laughs> up in the blue seat. <laughs> The first unit still on. Pass it We know we have the skill to make great plays on the power play, but it, oftentimes it's just simple plays that uh, create the openings and then allow our, our skill to take over. Centered in front. Saves Shesterkin as he robs Black Wheeler. Ah, Shesterkin taking over. Fox with a shot. Felt good to, to get one, and uh, you know, been feeling good the past few games. The New York Rangers with three consecutive shutouts, the first time since 1973. No, they're nice to see happen. I mean, he earned that shutout tonight. He played really well. Made some key saves at key times for sure. Ooh, welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. That montage you just heard. Courtesy of MSG, you heard Sam Rose and Adam Fox, Ryan Strom, and Coach Gallant. We have a little bit of a different show this week from usual. Molly had a family emergency. We're wishing the best to her right now as she deals with that. We have a, a new co-host this week and a guest co-host as well, a cavalcade of stars. Well, first, we <laughs> welcome in Rangers great, of course, number 10, Ron Duguay. His co-host this week is former Ranger and member of Survivor, Tom Laidlaw. And our special guest to join us as co-host is a friend of the program, ESPN Plus, ESPN in the crease host, and of course, a diehard Ranger fan, Linda Cohn. How's everybody doing? This is a Brady Bunch party. Unbelievable, yes. If they only knew how much fun we've been having, right, gentlemen? Yeah, excellent. (laughs) The the technological difficulties to get here, but we finally made it with Ron sounding like a robot. Ron, you want to lead the charge of this uh, family party since you are the main host here? Uh, Yes, I do. Uh, Welcome, Tom and Linda. You know, a lot to talk about today. Not only just uh, hockey, but the New York Rangers. But but most importantly, what's on my heart right now, uh, I think we all lost a hockey friend. And that's in Mike Bossy. He passed away. And of course, we lost Clark Gillies not long ago. And for Tommy and I, and I know Linda, because uh, you enjoyed the rivalry over the years, Ranger Islander yeah. rivalry. Mike Bossy was one that uh, if you talk Islanders, you had to talk Mike Bossy. And so I guess my, my question to you, Linda, I don't know if you had an opportunity to spend any time around Mike, but what was it like? What are your impressions of Mike Bossy? Well, let me tell you. And first of all, it's so great to be with you guys. Um, really, I always enjoy, always, we always have laughs. But, you know, people may or may not know, back in the day, my first job was covering, even though I was such a diehard Rangers fan, as both you and Tommy know, I covered the Islanders. I volunteered because I grew up on Long Island and I covered the Islanders in the early 80s. That was my first job. And I did get to have conversations with the legendary Mike Bossy and Clark Gillies, as long as you mentioned Jethro. Those guys, I don't have to tell you because both of you competed against them and that incredible dynasty team. Those are moments I'll always remember. But Mike specifically, you know, unlike Clark Gillies, who's very outgoing, big personality, just a big teddy bear. Mike was so smart, deep, 
Uh, I always felt our conversations were very intellectual, uh, very hockey oriented. He wasn't a loud type of personality, as you both know, but he was just loved the game, had passion the game. And man, can he shoot the puck. Um, so I'm just very grateful that my first job in sports was covering uh, amazing players like Clark Gillies and Mike Bossy, and also the Islanders lost Jean Poffin as yeah. well this year. Just a difficult. I mean, there's no words to describe what that organization has gone through this year. Yeah. You know, I was very lucky. Uh, we do a show on Thursday with a couple of teammates and uh, Clark Gillies had been watching the show. And probably about two hmm. years ago, he, he sent me a direct message. At, he was like a little kid wanting to get on the show with us. We were all scared to death. Well, at least I, Clark Gillies, when he got <laughs> mad, he had this one eyebrow going across the top of his head, like when he got mad at you. So when he contacted me and, and he's on the show a few times, we did a couple other shows. Really, we got to be like not best friends, but we got to be friends. It was a real honor to get to know him before we lost him. But um, did you get to interact with him quite a bit as well? Yeah, I mean, I did as well. And I want to know, both you or Ron, did you ever have any speakers? You talk about Clark Gillies and how intimidating he can be. He's such a big man, right? But you guys on the ice, did you ever come close to dropping the gloves with him? Dukes did. Dukes had a little scrap with him. Yeah, I did. And I don't even remember why what happened. I must have been picking on one of his teammates because there's <laughs> nothing. None of us would want to go out of our way to fight Clark Gillies. But we did have a little, uh, we'll call it a wrestling match. Because the thing with Clark Gillies, you don't want to exchange punches with him. Oh. As Ed Hospidor would tell you, uh, you don't want to exchange punches with him. I remember, I remember starting with him and I thought, okay, what do I do here? And my instincts told me, just grab his arms, make sure he doesn't hit you. And once he felt my strength, which I was strong enough to control guys, he just kind of took me down. We kind of laugh about it now. I've gotten yeah. to know Clarky over the years because I've done several of his events. And a lot of these guys that are appeared to be or are tough on the ice, they're the nicest guys off the ice. And so uh, Clarky was very... Uh, wanting to help the community, which he's done on Long Island. He raised funds for kids, kids in a hospital. So a very classy guy. And then Mike Bossy, we had him on the show last year. And so I wanted to know, Mike, Mike, what was your social life, uh, life like? Because we came in at the same time, 1977. I was drafted 13th overall. He was 15th. Imagine I had to live up to that, right? Because the Ranger fans could have had Mike Bossy for whatever reason. They, <laughs> right. they passed on him and the Islanders took him. So my first season, he gets 50, I get 20. And uh, so, so, but we did get the last laugh in 79 where we beat him in the finals. But right. and Dukes, and Dukes, Dukes, hold on though. But you were better on page six than he was. He was never yeah. in page six. And better right. hair. Yeah. Well, that, that's the point I was trying to make. I said, Mike, you had me on the ice, but I had you off the ice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so what did he, he say? Not, he was not a he was not a social guy. Like he didn't want to go to Studio Fifty Four. The thing was, is this? You know, there's a statement: "Don't bring food to a buffet." Yeah. Well, he brought his girlfriend from Quebec to New York. His high school girlfriend got married right away, and that just kind of took him off the off ice game. And so he's just very quiet. He didn't drink much. And that's why I didn't bump into him at Studio 54. <laughs> Great story. Linda, you talk about Clark Gillies, too. But do you remember Carol Vadney when he played? Oh, Carol? yes. Oh, yeah, so, great. I remember the yeah. trade, too, and the whole thing. Yeah, he was something. But definitely. So when he got into coaching, he was coaching. And he really took to me and really thought that I had some potential. And he treated me fantastic, always helping me with little things. And before a game against the Islanders, uh, in his French accent, he goes, Tommy, 
you go to the front of the net with that gillies, you punch him right in the chest. And it was, I just got to the point where if that told me to do something, I was going to do it, right? Because he was my you know, the mentor. So we go to the front of the net, I punch gillies in the chest. And he looks at me with that one eyebrow and he goes, what do you want? And I look over the, I look over the bench and Vab, I go, what do you want me to do now? Like, oh, God. So... He was, he was good. But like Duke said, great guy, though. Uh, tremendous character, great person. So, Linda, I need to ask you, I uh, I know you post a lot on Instagram and Twitter. And the other night you were between the benches. And for most fans who look at your position, that's the best seat in the house. Yeah. And so so share with us, really, because I know you're having to concentrate on the game, think about the game. But what's it really like to be between the benches on the ice? I mean, you get to interact with the players during the game. You get to hear the smack, the cursing, yep. uh, the threats, oh, the coaches. So, so what's great. that like? Share with us. Okay. So the last time I did it was actually uh, Tuesday night. Okay. Uh, in Anaheim, big game for the Kings, big rivalry. I mean, you know, Rangers Islanders is the ultimate rivalry. We all know that. But, you know, Ducks and Kings literally can't stand each other. Ducks really don't can't stand the Kings at all because, you know, they're like the they get stepped on. No one thinks about the Anaheim Ducks. They're always thinking of like Kings. And this year, for obvious reasons, Kings obviously in playoff contention. Anyway, best seat in the house you're standing. But last night was very eventful. Um, I've had pucks go in my little uh, four by four little box come near me. Never hit me. Pucks never hit me. To your point, Ron. Uh, Brendan Lemieux had a lot to say to several, not one, one uh, Anaheim Duck, to several members of the Ducks uh, in words that I don't, I don't even think I could repeat on this podcast. I know everything goes on this podcast, but I'm going to leave it up to your imagination. The clever verbiage that Brendan Lemieux <laughs> is capable of when he's yelling at the opposition. Kevin Shattenkirk was looking at our buddy, Kevin Shattenkirk, chatty, great guy, uh, looking over uh, at me, looking over at Brendan Lemieux like, what the, what is he talking about? <laughs> it's just so much fun. I can't get enough. It's addicting. I love being there. And, and I love the game. So guys like you, especially dudes who were so fast on the ice and still are, I'm sure. But back in the day, you really feel the speed of these guys and the strength and skill. It's wonderful. Linda, um, you know, being a woman and uh, uh, join hockey as you do, do you remember the first moment that you saw Ron Duguay? <laughs> Yeah, you know, I was in love. I mean, you know, I, I'll tell you, uh, no, who wasn't? I mean, what normal human being, female mostly, uh, would, uh, wouldn't love the hair? And, and oh. Dukes, I have a story for you, because speaking of King's Duck, so before the game, the game I actually did with, talk about old school, Barry Melrose and Steve Levy were in the booth, and I was in between the benches, okay? So you got that so far? So before the yep. game, walking down the halls, and I ran into Sonny Milano, you know, bright young star for the Anaheim Ducks. And I talked to him. And then as Sonny walked away, Barry pulls me over. He says, Linda, come here for a second. I go, okay, Barry. And I walk over to Barry Melrose. And he's like, I'll tell you, looking at that guy from the back, reminds me of Ron Duguay. I thought that yeah. hair, that guy was Ron Duguay. I mean, and he was like, not serious. I mean, Barry's up there, but, he's, but he was making a ha-ha, making a joke. Sonny Milano's hair is definitely was like yours, Dooms, that period of time. I mean, you had all sorts of flow going on over the years, but when you were all curls, like it was like curls going back and from the back, Sonny looked like definitely like the back of your head. Fun story. It's so cute. So your ears must have been ringing. When you say that, it reminds me when it was like to be on the same team, same dressing room as Tommy Laidlaw. Can you imagine after the game, 
It was a battle to who got the hairdryer first. I mean, Tom. <laughs> Tom, you had some nice flow. You had some nice locks. Yeah, I didn't. Blonde, yeah, yeah, I didn't take blonde. care. Of it. Yeah, I didn't take care of it the way Dukes did. I, I'll never forget that one of the first games I played with Dukes at Madison Square Garden. I'm sitting on the bench, and all of a sudden, I'm smelling coconuts. I'm thinking, <laughs> like, am, am I am I at the beach or what? And I guess his conditioner had coconuts in it. Once he started to sweat, the, the coconut smell came out. So that was one of the pleasures of playing with Ron Dugan. Yes, Linda, let, let's let's take it back to the uh, current Ranger team right now. Yes. Chris Kreider. Uh, yes. Chris scored his 50 goals. You've been watching him for the last uh, eight, nine years. Yeah. Could you see this coming or did you see him like everyone else? Like he's a 20, 25 goal scorer, maybe may get to 30, but this year he had a breakout season. Can you put your finger what you're, what you saw different in, in Chris this year? Let me tell you, what is he on the TB12 method? What is he taking a page out of Tom Brady? Not as old as <laughs> yes. the great, the go Tom Brady, but uh, Chris Kreider has made all Ranger fans proud and grateful that he's a part of this organization. And honestly, I thought last year he should have been named the captain. He should be wearing the C because everything he does uh, is captain worthy, as you guys are well aware. Um, did I think he was going to score 50? No. Who in the world thought Chris Kreider was going to score 50? I think he has mastered the art of deflecting the puck. I mean, Dukes, you know what the, how tough that is and standing in front of the net. I think what changed besides, yes, he'll tell you, he'll be the first to tell you, I play with great players, right? You know, he's one of the most humble guys in the National Hockey League. Never credits himself. That's why I love him so much. Never talks about himself. Uh, the thing is, I think he has, um, and he's talked about it a, a bit, the art of uh, where he stands now, right? When you're deflecting the puck. I mean, he's just so good at that. And then the Rangers power play. Half of his goals or more than a quarter of his goals. I don't know the numbers. I'm not good at it have come on the power play and, you know, the, the Mika's and Banajeds, the Artemi Panarin. Yes, you do have to give them a hell of a lot of credit, but for Chris Carter to do what he does, the kind of goals he gets, those dirty goals, the goals, oh, by the way, that are scored in the playoffs, not these flashy goals. Nobody scores flashy goals in the postseason, as you both know. You score the dirty goals, those nasty goals, the goals that you really earned. And those are the kind of goals Chris Kreider scores. Uh, Linda, uh, Igor Shosturkin, a great goaltender for the Rangers. Do you think he will win the Vezina and or Hart Trophy for the National Hockey League? Well, if he doesn't win the Vezina, I don't know who the hell's voting. I wish I was yeah. voting. Uh, he won that two months ago. The Hart Trophy, you know, the phrase to say, oh, yeah, he's in the conversation. He's in the conversation. This is a crazy year, right, with all the offense. I mean, it's like nuts. Yeah. It's broken yeah. records. I think a lot, you know, I brought this up, uh, up this point up um, on an interview. I think the reason people ask me, why do you think so many uh, stars are breaking the 40-goal plateau, 50-goal plateau, 30-goal plateau? I mean, Philip Deneau, who only had 30 goals combined in his previous three seasons, has 25 goals. It's just nutsy. But the schedule, the schedule has been so compressed and compact it's not the goalies. I have to stick up for the goalies. It's not goalies being bad. It's the fact that a lot of teams are exhausted. Five games in eight nights, three games in four days. You know, you're going to – I think that favors the offense. But back to Shesterkin. Is he deserving of the Hart Trophy? Yes. Will he get the Hart Trophy? Probably not. It's yeah. just the way it is. It's the same reason why they're not going to give it to Roman Yossi. There's an award for him. It's called the Norris Trophy. He deserves sure. that this year, right? But he's so, their MVP. Where would the Predators be without Roman Yossi? That really is the definition, right? The most valuable player for that team, right? So Right. Yeah. 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 And Shesterkin, where would the Rangers be without this guy? You know, with all yeah. due respect to Georgie Georgiev, who's, you know, balanced being a backup pretty well overall. 
Where would where would the Rangers be without Shesterkin not competing for first place in the Metropolitan Division? Uh, so the Hart Trophy is going to be an interesting one. Uh, you know, guys like Jonathan Huberdeau and Johnny Goudreau should be right there. I think those two are going to be the finalists along with Austin Matthews. If you were going to ask me right now who are the finalists for the Hart Trophy, it'll probably be those three. Although I'll be thrilled if Shesterkin is a finalist. You know, it's an it's always going to be an argument too. You know, like, like I said, like Shesterkin, I'm with you. I, I it's hard for me to find another player in the league that is more valuable to their team than Shesterkin is. I agree. So, so I have a I have a question uh, for both of you. When you're saying Linda, where would the Rangers be without? And my question to both of you: Where would the Rangers be this year without Chris Drury? When you look at what Chris <laughs> has done for this team, the player he's bar brought in. He's changed the character of the team. The coaching also. Yeah. Coach, you think number Chris one. Jury should be considered general manager of the year. Excellent point. And by the way, kudos to you, Ron. You're the first person that's talking about that. And I love hearing that because nobody likes talking about executive of the year. You know, they might give it to, you know, they might throw in Bill Guerin there. Chris Jury should be a finalist. But I would think Bill Guerin's another guy, you know, pulling off the mark on Jay Fleury and the trading deals he got. But I love what Chris Jury did. You know what I also love? I was one of those people. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to be full disclosure to you guys. No offense to Alexei Lafreniere, but I was one of those like, eh, I'd trade him for JT Miller. Bring JT Miller back. I said it on the radio. I said it on the podcast. Me and you, right, right? I'm like, goodbye. I'm like, I've seen enough. No offense. Now, I think he's heard me. He heard the whispers from me and you, Ron. He's playing much better. He's playing more of a complete game. Uh, he's figuring it out. I know he's still young, but man, I shout out to JT Miller. He's in the top 10 of scoring. And that and that was before Chris Jury came aboard, of course. But man, I wish we didn't lose. The Rangers didn't lose a guy like JT Miller. But bringing in Andrew Kopp to me was huge. And not, and let's face it, not giving away Alexei Lafreniere. Yeah, that's, like, that's scary. I agree with you totally. Like, giving away those junk stars like that, because, again, I, I used the name Nathan McKinnon before. If we look back to the first two or three years in the league for him, people were not too impressed. I wasn't too impressed. He, had, he really yeah. wasn't playing that well. Now we look at him. He's arguably, you know, top five players in the league. So it, patience, you have to have. Not many guys. The problem is you get Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby come in as 18-year-olds old, and play fantastic. Uh, and then that kind of the expectation is that that's the way all these other top draft picks are going to play. That's just not realistic. These 18 year old kids coming in the NHL. I mean, just just the fact they're in the NHL is tough. So Linda, moving yeah. forward, I have to, um, you know, we're thinking playoffs. Only five games remain. Yeah. More than likely, the Rangers are going to play Pittsburgh. How do you like that matchup for the Rangers? Yeah. You know, if I'm part of this organization, this team, I don't care who the hell we're playing. If we just keep I sound like a head coach. If we keep doing what we're doing, special teams are excellent. We have a great home record. Uh, We're doing all the little things. We're scoring goals. We're getting the goaltending. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think they match up well against the Penguins. But, you know, the Penguins always scare me because, of course, they have uh, Sidney Crosby, who to me hasn't lost a step. I love this kid. He's still Sid the kid to me. Uh, I just think – he brings out the best, but the bad news for the Penguins, as we all know, is Tristan Jari. Who knows if he'll be healthy enough by the time uh, the playoffs start. So that would be a nice matchup. You know, the Bruins, if something, you know, the Bruins have lost David Pasternak for about five or six games now. If they get him back, and if that turns out to be a matchup where the Bruins can, you know, it turns out to be like a, a matchup down the road, for instance, if the Rangers win and beat and take over uh, the top spot in the Metro, 
there's a big chance they would play the Bruins in the first round. And then I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, do I really want the Rangers to finish in first place? I maybe they yeah. Bruins. I'm oh. a little scared. I mean, there's no Tuca. I get it. And But there's still Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron. And if Pasternak comes back healthy, that's scary. So I'd rather face the Penguins if I'm the Rangers. But, you know, they'll never tell you that. Yeah, you know, you look at the East, everybody's talking about Tampa and Florida and Carolina and the Rangers, Toronto. But those other teams, like you said, you know, uh, Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston, those are all teams that know how to win. They've been there before. They know how to win the playoffs. So I, I'm with you. So, Linda, I, I need to ask you, and I think Tom and I, we kind of feel the same way about this. If you, if you ask alumni about the game itself, the game today compared to the, let's say, 70s and 80s, 90s, there was a strong entertainment value to it. You can watch a lot of games, and it would be fun to watch for various reasons. You know, the teams really disliked each other. They went after each other. I don't know on what side you are with, you can almost call it violent back then compared to today, but do you still find that the entertainment value in today's game is the same as it used to be? Yeah, you know, it's different. I respectfully, I guess, disagree. I mean, I'm not big. uh, I think uh, dropping the gloves is significant when it's significant. Uh, I think back in your day, it was a little too much for me because that's not why I got into hockey and loved it so much. But what I see and what I love now are these young players. And I would love to hear both of your thoughts on it, the way they've changed the game. You know, I had a conversation with Ryan Getzlaff, the great retiring Ryan Getzlaff. His last home game is April 24th. Class act, as both of you know, 17 years with one organization, right? About when you're a captain and teaching leadership to young players. And he says, you have to teach them differently. The guy's coming in now. You know, the Trevor Zegerses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's in Minnesota, Matt Boldy. They're just, they're all about, it's different. It's yeah. different. And you watch, and back to the exciting factor, Trevor Zegers and what he can do with a puck is the most exciting thing in the NHL. I saw an amazing goal last night by Matt Boldy in between his legs, you know, getting it by Carey Price. These guys are fearless, fearless. They're not afraid to try things. And here's the most important thing. Back in your day, because I know both of you could do some things. The coaches wouldn't allow you to do these kinds yeah. of things, right? Yeah, now, the, the, the coaches yeah. have freedom saying, hey, okay, try it, do it, be you. Well, and the opposition wouldn't let you do it either. As a defensive defenseman, <laughs> if, right. if, 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 Zegers, <laughs> if Zegers tried that on the ice when I was on the ice, I'd be threatening him every way possible. I'd slash him, punch him in the head, do whatever. Well, Jay Beagle cross-checked him two weeks ago. And uh, then a poor Troy Terry, who I adore, one of the bright young stars for the Ducks, came in. You don't want your superstar. It's like Artemi Panarin coming to the red. It would be, that's what it would be like. He never got his gloves off. And, you know, he had facial lacerations because Beagle broke the code, by the way. I'd love to hear what you guys think about that. I mean, Terry was an unwilling participant. Beagle just kept pounding away. But to your point, yeah, you're right. It was different. It was a different code back then. Yeah, the game has changed entirely, right? The, the equipment's changed. The pay has changed. The rules have changed. Like when Dukes and I played, it was, I mean, intimidation was a tactic. It was, you you tried, it's my job to try to intimidate somebody on the other team. And they had other people over there that were going to stop me from trying to intimidate somebody else. That was the way the game was played. So it's totally different now. See, I'm kind of in the middle of both years. I love the game today. It is totally different than the way we played it. There's no question. Uh, the the physical part of it, I'm sure Dukes and I watch a game and somebody does something to the opposition. Like now when there's a big hit, uh, the team, the, the guy that got hit, his teammates feel they've got to jump in right away and have a fight. We didn't do it that way. We waited. We would say to the guy, okay, you want to play that way? We'll get you later on. 
And now I think it's, it's all, I understand that the player probably thinks he's helping his teammate that got hit, but he's actually hurting his team because very often he takes that instigated penalty and hurts his hockey team. Just wait until later on. So it's, it's all changed. Yeah. If I, I want to add to what you're saying, Tom, when there's a big hit on the ice, what I would prefer to see, which would give it more entertainment value is, all right, you hit me, we're going to hit you back. So yeah, you can imagine if they go back and forth with big hits over some silly fight for no good reason. It was a clean yeah. hit. I can yeah. see if someone's trying to hurt someone. But just because you hit your top player, that doesn't mean that you need to start a fight. Go after yeah. their top player. And then yeah. we're sitting there as fans watching this, loving it. Now they're really going after each other. That's what I prefer. Over fighting, I would love to guys use the fact that hitting is part of the game, do a lot of hitting, clean hitting. Yep. And uh, to me, that's more. That's a lot more fun. As you talk about injuries here, Capo Caco is hurt again, and the Rangers are calling it week to week. Linda, I imagine you got to be a little concerned going to the playoffs that he's not going to be out there. Yeah, it's so sad, right? I mean, it's not like the kid isn't trying to be healthy in 100%. When he came back for a blink of an eye, he scored two goals in one game, and I'm like, oh, wow, he's still on the team. He's still relevant. He's still got something. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. I mean, that's not going to – let's face it. It's not going to uh, dethrone the Rangers as potential playoff uh, Stanley Cup contenders uh, by losing Capo Caco, with all due respect to him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you want, you know, Gerard Gallant wants his full set, wants the depth, uh, you know, but there are guys that are going to step up just like they've done all year long. So I'm not super concerned. We just hope it's uh, it's not too long. Well, like Ron mentioned earlier, too, uh, Chris Drury's done a good enough job to have a lot more depth up front. Uh, which really, I mean, because you know you're going to have those kind of injuries. You know, an injury that I really thought hurt the team early, and they, again, they've recovered from it with the season they've had. Uh, losing Sammy Blay, I thought was a big loss for them to start the yeah. year. Yeah, you know, he, he was going to play a big role. He's a physical player they got from St. Louis. So, but again, that was so early. You know, they've recovered from it. But I'm amazing. Do it's it's amazing. You forget about that, right, Tom? Yeah. You yeah. know, you forget. I mean, can you imagine if this team had a healthy Sammy Blay? Man, I would not want to play against him, man. He's a hard player to play against. Yeah. Wow. So, Tommy, your thoughts on there's talk about uh, Adam Fox. He's not a big player. Yep. He's very slick. It doesn't look like he's putting out a lot of energy the way he plays. Mm -hmm. There's yep. a lot of talk. Do we need to rest them? Do you, as a defenseman having played, would you want to be rested or do you want to play every game? Uh, every game. Uh, so Herb Brooks, so I played my first year, I played all 80 games. Herb Brooks came in the second year. At the end of the season, I played I played through all kinds of injuries, not like we always do. Got to the last game and, and he sat me in the stands or else I would have played every game that season. Third year, I played every game. Fourth year, I'd played every game. Same thing. He sat me. I would have played every game my first four years and Herb not sat me. I, I wanted to play. I felt like missing games, you just get, you get out of your rhythm. I know he plays a lot of minutes, but like you said, Ron, he plays under control. It's not like he's flashing going up and down the ice. He is that controlled player. Uh, so I would not rest him. The one thing I think that needs to happen with him, though, and, and well, it happens naturally. So he had this great last year when, when the Norris Trophy was just, un, he was doing some things that I thought were just incredible. You know, he's like carrying the puck across the blue line in the offense and so on, things that I would get, you know, I'd get yelled at to try to do, but he was <laughs> brave enough to do it. I think maybe he's kind of just slid back just a notch, not a whole lot, but he's maybe not as productive as he had been. Still good, still great player, still Norris Trophy candidate, no question. But I just think he hasn't played quite as good. But again, I don't think it's because he needs to be rested. I, I, I would not rest him. I, I, to me, I want to play all the time. Yeah, Linda, when you're watching what you've seen uh, Brian Leeds play over the years, a uh, big part of the New yes. York Rangers, uh, yes. Hall of Fame, legendary Amazing. Ranger, 
Amazing. When you when you compare the two, do you see comparisons where he could be as good as Brian Leach? Oh, it's so too early to tell, right, Dukes? You know, but yeah, there's always that potential. I just love everything about Adam Fox. I love his demeanor. You know, you guys talk about how effortless he is on the ice. And for a guy that's slight, right, for a defenseman, he's got the smarts to avoid getting hit a lot, right? I mean, that's the thing. I think, I know it's a different position and he's the greatest of all time, but Wayne Gretzky was so good at that. I mean, when you look at Wayne Gretzky, right? I mean, he's like skin and bones. Always. Uh, <laughs> so like, and yeah. he just always avoided getting hit uh, and putting himself in awkward situations. Adam Fox uh, the, is playing a position where, as Lades, Tommy Laidlaw knows, always you get hit. He seems to avoid yeah. a lot of that and kind of bounces off it. So I don't, you know, the guy already has, a, what does he have, over 50 assists? Um, I mean, I think he's still doing it. I think uh, I can't wait to see him in a real postseason. The thing, yeah. whatever it was last year, whatever, qualifying, whatever the heck it was. I don't even know if that counts as anything. But, um, yeah. yeah, this is going to be – and I, you know what? I love it like Tommy and Dukes. I love it that he doesn't have the pressure to do it all. And I think we're yeah. seeing that this year, right? And I think he can just like, ah, oh, I have nothing else to prove. I can just be me and go out there and do it. His, his demeanor is what I love. To your point with, the, with Leach, though, and the comparison between the two, I think their impact on the game is very comparable. It's that they do it differently, right? Fox is that yeah. under control guy that pass first kind of player. Leach was to me, what I remember was take the puck and go end to end. I mean, he was make smart passes too, but it was much more of a speed game with him. But but again, their impact on the game to me is very similar. Yeah? So when you look at Keandre Miller, which he's Ooh. he's developing into a yeah. player that could be a Another star player. One. Uh, not only in the NHL, but for the New York Rangers. He's one of the guys that's kind of taking a little pressure off him. So when you're watching him, is he developing, Tommy, as a player that you thought he could be? Yes, a big guy that can skate. He plays physical, handles the puck well. I think Truba has really helped him a lot, too. Truba, yes. when Truba first got here, I think the team was not as good. Truba was trying to do too much to live up to his contract. He's not a guy yeah. that can carry the puck end in. Now that he's got good players around him, Truba just settles in and does his job. And I think he covers up for it. I think he talks. You see Keandre Miller and Truba talking all the time on the bench really guiding him, being that veteran presence there. I think that pairing is, you know, I know Fox and Lindgren are particularly the number one pair, but the number two pair in Chuba and Keandre Miller isn't too far behind. I, I think Miller has really improved a lot, particularly in the last yeah. half of the season. I like them a lot. Yeah. yeah. Great point about Truba, man. I mean, he's in the shadow, but what a season yeah. Yeah, uh, totally. he's having. Had him on yep. my, uh, in the crease podcast earlier in the year, another, just a great guy. And he spoke about, you know, you guys can talk about this. I know Dukes didn't have any problem adjusting to New York City, but Jacob Trimmer was very honest uh, with me when he spoke about, yeah, that first year in New York, it was really difficult, you know, coming yeah. from Winnipeg. Uh, it was an adjustment and it took him longer than most to get used to the big city. It was interesting. Yeah, yeah we were at an event one time that he was at and uh, it, was in, it was mingling with the fans and you could tell he was pretty nervous. It was his first year. He just he wasn't used to it. It was New York City. So, yeah. yeah. But it is true, though. Yeah, getting used to the city is a little bit different first. Well, last question before we go, Linda. Predictions going into the playoffs with the New York Rangers. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, okay. I should talk objectively, right? And as a fan, well, as a fan, yeah. anything less than winning a first-round series would be a disappointment to me. Uh, I think, you know, I think what they've accomplished during the regular season – 
Uh, we all know it. It's well documented in the guidance of Gerard Gallant and what he has meant to a, a team in his first year. It's just truly amazing as one as, you know, almost as many games as Mike Keenan did in his first year as a New York Rangers coach. And we all know how that ended. But they have to win in the first round for me. And I think objectively, even as a, a national broadcaster, I feel that way too. Can they go to a conference final? Absolutely. They have everything. They got the goaltending. They got the depth. Special teams. Huge clicking right now they're scoring goals that's huge i mean they got it all i mean it's it's fantastic you know barring you know any injuries i'm knocking on wood i think they have a potential to go to a conference final but when they go up against a team like the you know florida panthers or maybe it's a toronto maple leaves or don't count out the lightning they might turn on that switch again those three teams in the eastern conference scare me the most for the new york rangers and also, I think that could be Carolina. I just think I'm not a big fan of the Canes going far. I just think there are too many hiccups there. So, yes, they need to win in the first round, but I could see them going to a conference final and get some breaks. Who the hell knows? Maybe a Stanley Cup final. Linda, okay, the most important question of the day. Are you ready for this? I'm always ready for it, Tommy. Okay, okay. and the answer, better, the answer better be yes, too, okay? Did you watch me on Survivor? You know what? The Since I don't watch the show... I didn't even know you were on Survivor. Oh, what is my problem? Can I can I get it on demand? Can I get it on I have to, I, I, I'm honest. I, I'm not gonna lie. Oh I'm genuine. God, I'm real. How'd I you do? We were tight. Uh, don't, I'm not telling you. I'm not talking about it. No. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sulking. Tom. Yes. You know, yeah. an attorney will say, don't ask a question unless you know the answer. I know. You're right. You, see, you know what? You're right. Can we erase this part of the show? No, this Listen, is, this will stay. I've been, I, I've, I've been busy. I've been busy binge watching Better Call Saul. So you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, there goes our friendship. It's over. Yeah. No, no. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I know. Well, good well, for you, though. Awesome. It was fun. It was a blast. Yep. Yeah. Well, Linda, we uh, will tune into the In the Crease podcast, ESPN Plus. You do with Emily Kaplan, and uh, we always like to see you in between the benches during the games on the broadcast. And let's hope the Rangers go on a run to the cup and surprise us all. Thanks for coming on with us. Oh, my pleasure. My other dream besides being on with you guys is to be between the benches at Madison Square Garden once oh, in a go. lifetime. So that would be amazing. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me anytime. Great seeing you all and keep up the great work. I'm wearing food like that should be a sign that I need to lose weight. All right, Ronnie, that wraps up episode 85 of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, Jake and Andrew Hartz, for producing the show. And this was different this week. We didn't have Molly, and we're thinking about Molly. And Larry's not here today, but we've given him a break. We did a little something different. Tommy Laidlaw, who's a friend of mine, uh, alumni friend of mine, always gives you good insights. He has a good sense of humor. And then we love Linda, who's been a fan forever, a New York Ranger fan. She loves hockey. Of course, she works for ESPN. So I think it was a good show today. Did you enjoy it? It was impromptu. We just, at the last minute, were like, all right, let's just make this the whole show. And I think it was good. You know, and rest in peace, thoughts and prayers to the Bossy family. Of course, Mike Bossy, a nice tribute there. We sadly lost him and Clark Gillies, two Islander legends, guys you went up against. 
Uh, and Tom gave some good insight and even at the end gave a few quips to Linda about not watching him on Survivor. We'll see if Linda Cohn's DMs light up with uh, Tom Laylaw messages coming in the next few weeks, Rob. Yeah, and having said that, we <laughs> lost Clarky, we lost Mike. The last man standing is Brian Trottier. And Brian, who's been on the show, is a good friend of mine. Love to have him on to give his thoughts on those two players and, of course, uh, the Rangers because Brian was a New York Ranger coach. So we'll have to reach out to him, see if we can get him on at some point. Hopefully next week, I'm going to be in New York. I'm going to go to one or two games. They're playing against Carolina, playing against Montreal. So I'm hoping to see you guys there at one of those two games. Yes, five games left in the season and then playoff podcasts are coming. Stay tuned for number 10, Ron Duguay, Andrew Hartz, Tom Laidlaw, Linda Cohn. I'm Jake Brown. We will return next Thursday. Enjoy the next week of Rangers games. Only a few left. And thanks for listening to Up in the Blue Seats. Nothing is the same as the sports fam, the professional sports team in New York.